it has been a, a couple of services since I have been here, and it does feel like I am a stranger uh, this morning, as it is not usual for me to be gone uh, two services in a row, but over the holidays, I appreciate your graciousness in allowing Sierra and I to visit some of our family and spend some time with them, and uh, they are thankful for your graciousness as well, uh, especially Abigail is, because she was not too happy about having to come home. She uh, she wanted to live at Nana's house, is what she said. She wants to she wants to live at Nana's house. Do you, can you relate to that, Sister Kim? You've got some grandchildren that want to live at, at Nana's house. I know uh, that I, when I was a kid, that's how I felt. When, when Christmas and the holidays were over, I never wanted my Meemaw and Peepaw to leave. And uh, I always would jump up and look over the side of the couch to look and see if their suitcases were still there, Sister Debbie. Because if they were still there, it meant that Meemaw and Peepaw hadn't gone home yet. And then when I was... Uh, When I started into school, they moved next door to our house, which was about as good as it possibly could have been, because then I really could live at me, mom, Peepaw's house, and I did just that, because at at mom and dad's house, I had to get up and put my own clothes on and do all those other things. When I lived at me on Peepaw's house, I got toaster waffles cut up, and I got to eat them on the on the couch and all that. Any of you remember stuff like that? Getting a little something extra. I had to, I had little little snacks and treats hidden all over the house that my mom wouldn't let me have, and uh, you know, and I I appreciate that time. But as our year is coming to a close. We feel a lot of feelings about what's coming next. This is an odd time of the year. Uh, today is, is unique that it's, it's New Year's Eve, but typically throughout every year, there's always at least a Sunday and sometimes even maybe uh, close to two services. Uh, sometimes it's a Sunday and a Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's. And it is an odd time. Why? Because the new year hadn't started, but the old year is basically over. This is a, a, a the, December the 26th through December the 31st. That five, six day span right there is just such an anomaly because nobody's at work. Unless you are, unless you have a, a job that does not stop, nobody's typically at work. Everybody's using their vacation days right now. Everybody's trying to find a way to stay out of the office. Productivity is at an all-time low, and nobody really wants to do anything because it's it's kind of odd weather. I know we have an unseasonably warm uh, and dry time right now, and but typically it's not good weather to be outside. Um, you're not really wanting to go to the park. You're you're not really, it's just odd. And you find yourself feeling the anticipation of, or really you find yourself sitting around a lot and having a lot of thoughts rolling around in your head. You find yourself, the family has gone home. Life is starting to go back to its normal. Just for, if you'll, if you'll allow me to use that word today, it's starting to go back to its kind of norming time where you're going back to work. Some of you probably have already gone back to work. Maybe you have tomorrow off, but Tuesday you're going to be right back at it the way you were on Friday and all of these things. And, but you, you have a lot of time where you're sitting there kind of, maybe you're preparing for the new year. And maybe you're sitting there kind of mourning what's happened this year. This is a unique time because it brings feelings of hope for some and for others. You have to deal with the uh, reality that some hard things have happened and you still have to deal with the result of them. 
Many are hopeful that new things will come and bring a relief uh, that wasn't felt during the year just lived. Others are filled with worry and even anxiety about what could happen in the days to come. Well, I don't know exactly all that's going to happen, but what if? How many of you have ever played that game? But what if this happens? Or you play the other game of what if it doesn't happen? What if everything that, because see, I, I, and, and a lot of people put so much hope and so much pressure on January 1st because they think that at the turn of the calendar that everything is magically going to change. You're all of a sudden going to have new motivations. You're all of a sudden going to have new ideas. You're all of a sudden, and I do believe that, that, that change sparks creativity, yes, and it even brings some momentum. I believe all change brings momentum, good or bad. That's why people can get a divorce and lose weight. Because change brought a little bit of momentum. Now, maybe it was in spitefulness that they did all of that. I'm going to show you. But it brought change. And it brought momentum. Because all change brings momentum, good or bad. Maybe you had something happen in your life. You got married. You got uh, you had a baby or you, you, you've done all these things or maybe you bought a new house or you got a new job and all of a sudden you feel the um, anticipation of, of an opportunity that is before you. And January 1st is the biggest Monday of all Mondays. Why? And it just so happens to be on a Monday this year. Because everybody says, I'm going to get it right starting on Monday. I'm going to stop drinking on Monday. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop smoking on Monday. I'm going to stop overeating on Monday. I'm going to start. Um, I'm going to start paying my tithes on Monday, or I'm going to start doing this on Monday. I'm going to lose some weight on Monday. I'm going to get it all together because Monday it's going to start. Well, this year Monday happens to so be January first. It's the biggest Monday of all Mondays. I'm going to get it right this year. I'm going to get it right this year. Gym memberships are at an all-time high. Productivity is at an all-time low. This is the laziest week of all times. But yet tomorrow is supposed to start as the busiest time of the year. Why? Because all change brings momentum. And all of this shifting and all of this. The, the, and, and why do we get so excited? Because we feel the opportunity. It is like sitting. It's like waking up. Um, before the sun rises. As you see the sun crest the horizon, you watch and you know that you have the whole day ahead of you. And you feel like now, do I have any morning people in here today? Just maybe, I know I am. Some of you, how many of you are not a morning person? Okay, okay. We got some honest people in here today. We got some honest people in here today. I'm a morning person if I'm up for it, right? It's, but it's, it's seasonal, okay? My morning times usually come around duck season and deer season. That's when I'm okay with being all, uh, up at three or four o'clock in the morning, um, as long as we're, as long as we're being successful. And then it stops being fun after about the third hunt of no ducks. And so we, we, we feel the anticipation of the opportunity. And it's the, it's the possibility of an opportunity that drives people into action and motion. Well, I've got the whole year. I've got every time, I've got 365 days to get it right this time. I am not going to fail it. I'm going to read the whole Bible through this year. Somebody's feeling that today. I'm going to read it, I'm going to read it all the way through. And many people will never make it to February. They'll never make it to February 
because they'll go to a New Year's Eve party tonight or they'll go to something tomorrow because you're off and maybe you grill something and here's exactly how it goes. This will be the case for, I guarantee you, 80% of Americans tomorrow. We're going to get it right starting January 1. New me, new year, new me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, uh, let the haters stay in 2023, shake them off, whatever you want to say. And, and they're going to go, they're going to be off tomorrow. It's going to not be terribly cold, I don't think. They might even fire up the grill and they're going to have all of this food and everything. And they're going to say, all right, great, tomorrow it's going to be the day because I got to eat the rest of the potato salad. Because I got to get rid of these last bowl of beans. Because, you know, if I don't get rid of them, somebody's got to eat them. You know, this or that. And there's a couple of Christmas cookies left over that we just need to get them out of the house. And then Tuesday, it's going to be, golly, I didn't plan to wake up this early. I don't know if going to the gym today is going to feel like it or not. And then all of a sudden, it's a, it's a missed day and a missed day. And then it's, ah, we're going to start on January the 8th is what it's going to be. We're going to start on January the 8th. And it just continues this cycle over and over and over. And this is the time when all of those decisions are made that I'm going to make it right. That's why one reason why we're having baptism today. I think we've only got one to be baptized, but we're, that's why we're doing that today. Why? Because we want people to have the opportunity to start the year right. Okay, what an opportunity, what a great time to do that. As soon as I heard that December the 31st was a Sunday, I knew that we had to have baptism service that day. Why? Because I want to give people the opportunity to, to, to bury some things in 2023 and start some new things in 2024. But have you ever been in a season in your life where you know that you are done with one season, but you haven't quite stepped into the next one yet? You see, we don't all know what 2024 is going to hold for us because we haven't gotten there yet. Yes, we have planned and we eagerly look forward to all that God's going to do in the coming year, but I do not know all that it will hold. I don't know what all will come this coming year, and, uh, but I do know that we are just a few hours away from closing this year out. This is a transitional time. We approach the new year. You find yourself, like I said, finishing out this year. And many of you have experienced some very significant change in this year. 2024 isn't going to be like 2023 was. Why? Because things are different. Many of you have started new lives. You've, you've had things happen that have shifted things for you. And you, you've got new family members. There's people that weren't at your Christmas table that were last year. There's things that were, that were all about change this year and transition is a time of great anticipation and it can even be a time of uncertainty but we must guard ourselves against transition bringing instability it can be a time of uncertainty but it does not mean that it is a time of instability in times of transition, we need to be looking for an encounter with the Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seating, uh, sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Isaiah is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. And there, in the greatest moment of transition, in a nation's democracy, or in, in its case, uh, in more of a, a kingship, uh, in, in its greatest time of transition, is when... When Isaiah saw the Lord, can you imagine uh, having a change uh, of the national leadership? And then in that moment, you get to, you get to experience the Lord. What an opportunity 2024 must be. 
As November nears, without, you know, uh, waxing political this morning, as November nears and the possibility of a national uh, change in, in, in our nation's leadership all across the nation, in, in more than just the presidency, as the opportunity for change comes, what a great time for us to have an encounter with the Lord. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord in a moment of great national transition. Isaiah has an encounter with the Lord. God, let it be so that as the nation of America goes through transition, that the people that seek you will see you. Would it be so? I hope that it is said of Refuge Church that in the year of 2024, we saw the Lord. In the year of great transition and great change, that we would see the Lord seated high and lifted up. See, he said when he saw him, he saw him where he was, not in what he was doing right there. He saw him where he was. See, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated above the uh, above the earth, and, and his train of his robe, the tail of his robe, filled the temple. We saw the Lord as victorious. He saw him as high and lifted up, and maybe this year, in a year of transition, would we find the Lord in the place that he is, and that is seated above it all, high and lifted up, and he is a victorious God. Would it be said of the city of Mark Tree that in a year of transition, we would see the Lord lifted up in our city, in our areas, in our churches, in our schools, in our government? Would it be said? that in the year of transition, we would see the Lord seated high. Leaving one season behind isn't the end of your life. Your life is so much more than just one single day. It is so much more than a month. It is so much more than just a year. Don't let the days of transition and change in your life take your attention off of what the Lord is putting in front of you. Isaiah there, as the king has died, the national leader has exited the office. Isaiah sees the Lord high lift, and what does he do? He has an encounter with God, and God commissions Isaiah to go for him. Because after he had, because if you know Isaiah 6, if you know that chapter, you know what happens. He sees the Lord, and, and he said, hey, uh, Lord, I am an unclean man, because he recognized that being in the presence of the Lord exposed some things in him. And he recognized that he was an unclean man, and he lived amongst unclean people. So what did he do? He had a repentant moment with the Lord, because the first thing that happens when you have an encounter with the Lord is that you have things exposed inside of you. Are you convicted of them? Yes. Are you condemned for it? No. Because it did not make him unusable. He just needed to be clean. Before he could go and do, he just needed to be clean. So what happened? It was a very unique encounter. Not like anything anybody in here has ever had. He sees the Lord and then he speaks to him and he says, I am unclean because being in the presence of the Lord reveals things in us that need to be changed. It doesn't just hype us up. It doesn't just give us the opportunity to go because so many times Pentecostals like us crave a word that will lift us up 
up or that will uh, promise us things or, oh, I hope that the pastor or the evangelist lays his hands on me and prophesies things about big ministry or prophesies things about uh, fruitfulness and, and gainfulness in my future and all of these things. And people crave that. But what they don't realize is, is when you have an encounter where the Lord says, go for me, it, it is preceded by a great moment of repentance and cleansing. Isaiah is told by the Lord to go. He said, you're going to go for me. Because he said, who's going to go for us? Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. And he said, okay, you can go. How long do I need to go? And and, and that's such a unique thing. He said, uh, uh, until it all falls apart. Until everything is gone. You're never going to stop going. And so Isaiah, before he could go, had to have the moment where the angel grabs a coal off of the fire and sets it on his lips. Because if you're going to speak for him, your lips have got to be clean. It can't be my words. It can't be my ideas. It can't be my, my hopes or my dreams. It has to be vision from the Lord. And you have to be able to speak for him. And when you speak for him, you have to speak... You're speaking for him, but it is his, his words coming out of your mouth. So if that's how it is, then my mouth has to be kind of like his. Certain things can't come out of this mouth. Certain things can't go in to this. I, I have to be clean. And so Isaiah finds his purpose in what God was leading him into in a great moment of national transition. It is a national holiday for New Year's. Banks are closed. Schools are closed. Um, Everything is shut down. Nobody's doing anything. You're not going to go outside. You're just going to be taking the day off. It is a national holiday to celebrate the transition of our calendar from one year to the next. They're going to drop the ball in New York tonight. They're going to do all of these things. And there's going to be parties all over the world tonight celebrating the new year of the Gregorian calendar. So in the moment of great national and really global transition, Isaiah finds his purpose. I hope it is said today that in a moment of great transition, you have an encounter with the Lord that reveals to you things that are to be accomplished in your lifetime. Some people think that everything has to be settled and in order for God to move in their life and bring about any real kind of lasting change. That's wrong. That's wrong. if, If Isaiah had waited until he was a clean person, he would have never become clean. If he had waited until his people had got it all right, then he would have never been able to go. Because see, if we're waiting for everything in our life to be just right before we allow the Lord to give us direction, to send us on our way, we will stay at the starting gate forever. We'll never do anything. Because you're going to work and work and work and work and find out that you will never be perfect. You're never going to get it all right. You got to be willing to make the mistake and know that it's not going to be so bad that you can't come back from it. God doesn't have to have your life 
in perfect order for him to step in and make something significant happen. Somehow God takes imperfect people with imperfect abilities and imperfect actions and uses them to bring hope and healing across the world that he created. Do you know that I even think that the Lord will take people with imperfect motivations and use them? Why? Pastor, why why would God use somebody that he knows is trying to illfully gain something because of his purposes? Because everything that we do, while we are not justified by our actions, we will be judged for our actions. It is not our actions that will get us into heaven, okay? It is by grace that you are saved, that not of works, lest any man should boast. So what does that mean? Nobody can brag about how good they are. Nobody can look down on you for being better than you. Because it's not about what I do that makes me right with God. It is his grace that has been extended to me that makes me right with him. Not because I go to church on Sunday, not because I read my Bible or not because I pray or not because I do this or not because I do that. That has nothing to do with why I'm in relationship with the Lord. That is only because of grace that I can be connected to him. All these other things do happen just because I love him. So that has nothing to do with it at all. So my actions aren't really what is qualifying me for anything. But my motivations and my actions do matter. Why? Because it matters when we stand before the Lord because we will be judged for our actions. I want to give you a sobering moment. Every bad thing you've ever done is going to be told to the whole world. Okay? When? When we stand before what you call the mercy seat of Christ on the judgment day, you will not stand before, if you are a believer in Jesus, if he is your savior and your Lord, and he is the master of your life, you will not stand before what we call the great white throne, which is for people to be judged because of their sin. We will stand before the mercy seat of Christ in which we will stand there and Jesus will sit there and will deem us worthy because only of his blood. That covers us. That is it. But our, but our actions are going to be known. We're going to have to give an account for all that we do. And the scripture says for every idle word that comes out of my mouth. And so all of these things that I do and the actions that I do and the things that I have accomplished, I will set down before the Lord. They will be tried by fire. And if my motivation was correct, it will stand. But if it's not, it's going to get burned up. So what do you mean? I I made a huge circle to tell you this. The Lord even uses people with imperfect actions. Why? Because they're imperfect motivations. Because there will be good things that people do that when they get to heaven will have no reward for. Y'all didn't come to hear this this morning. There will be good things that people accomplish that when they get to heaven will get no reward for it. Because they did it for themselves and not for the Lord. That's why you don't have to worry about the TV preacher that has made millions and millions of dollars and buys boats and yachts and everything else for everybody else and takes advantage of his donors and all of these things. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. Why? Because the Lord is going to handle that. 
I don't have to boycott him. If people are coming to know Jesus with them, if, if people are being saved and, and they're being baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, if, 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 if God is, is working in their life, let it be. Let their motivations be what it is. I can't judge their motivations. Only he can. And he will. It's not just that he can, he will. And I think we can apply that to every encounter that we have with every person. I don't have to worry about why somebody does what they do. Why? Because it's none of my business. You know how much stress you would relieve yourself from if you just minded your own business? If you just stayed in your lane? If you just left? people alone, if you quit worrying so much about, oh, did they mean this? I wonder what they were supposed to have. You know, they said that, and I, you know, they said that, but they really meant, don't say that ever. I know they said that, but what you're saying is, is you don't, one, you, you don't trust that person at all. Two, you're trying to uh, assume motivation in this. Let the Lord deal with motivation. You just deal with what's happening. You deal with what's going on and let him deal with the motivation. Well, I, you know, they did that because of this. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Well, they, 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 they looked at me that way because of they thought that I did. Maybe they did. Maybe they smelled something funny. Maybe you look goofy today. Maybe something else is going on. Maybe you didn't take a shower and you forgot to. Maybe something's... You, they, they looked at me because they mad at me. And, and, and I, sometimes you have to... Um, Sierra especially is, is the king at this. Uh, she'll, she'll, she'll tell some of us sometimes, do you know that? Did somebody tell you that? Or did you just think that? Because if we get so caught up in just how I'm perceiving things and not what the reality of the situation is, I can find myself in a very deep and dark place really quickly. God can use people. He uses imperfect improbable, ill-motivated. He uses people. How do you know that? Because he uses me. Because he uses me. Because there have been some real bad, some real moments that I have had some, a real bad attitude about some things that I had to do that were actually really good. I've had to, I've had to check myself. I've had to apologize to the Lord. I've had to do all of these things because if he can use me, he can use anybody. Because my motivations haven't always been right. My attitude hasn't always been right. My actions haven't always been right. Uh, my ability hasn't always been right. I've done things that I probably shouldn't have done. I probably should have let somebody else do it. I read a post the other day that said, if you're a business owner, you need to learn how to fire yourself. I think if you just live a life, you need to learn how to fire yourself. What do you mean, Pastor? If you're trying to get through things and you realize that you're terrible at this, you need to fire yourself and then try to hire somebody that can do it. Because we can become so prideful that we feel as though that we are the only ones that can do anything. And that is not the truth. No matter how good my ideas may be, sometimes they're dumb. And I need to realize that just because it's a good idea in my mind doesn't mean it's a good idea in reality. Or just because it sounds right to me doesn't mean that it is right. I've got to recognize that I have to have a balance in my own life. And we need to let the Lord check us on a lot more things than we probably do. Moments of transition aren't a limiting factor to him. 
He uses these uncomfortable and impatient moments to prepare us and propel us into the next season of life that he has for us. We just have to trust him with these times and seasons. I don't get to choose his when or his why. I only get to choose my how. I don't get to choose when or why he does something. I just get to choose how I respond to it. Seasons and hard times are hard sometimes because we think that we're needing to stay or we are needing to go. Seasons are difficult because there are moments and times where you want to do anything but what you are right now. And then there are moments that you don't want to stop doing what you are exactly doing right now. But seasons change, even good ones. Seasons change, the bad ones, and we praise God. Oh, thank God, I, I, I needed to get out of there. But what about the times when everything's going great and the season changes again? Lord, it was great three months ago. What was going on? Why not now? Seasons change. You're growing. That little outfit that your babies wore that you loved so much, at some point they outgrew it. Abigail had a little purple monkey outfit. It was my favorite one that she would wear. It was purple and white, and it was, it was, a, it was a zip up. Praise God for the zip ups. And, and it was a little onesie that she would wear, and it was so cute. It had a little monkey right on, the t- right on, her, right on her chest. I loved that little outfit. But that little outfit was about this big, and she didn't stay this big very long. It was a good outfit, but she was growing. There are good things happening in your life, but you are growing. And what I have learned is with life and with children, it can be very similar. As much as I loved this stage, I always loved this one just a little bit more. And I'm like, wow, I I don't want her to ever change from right here. And then I, and then she learned how to talk and it was cute. And I I said, oh, I hope she never changes from right there. And then this week, not then she learned how to, uh, to walk or, or, or this or that. And then I, I never wanted her to change. Don't, I just, I just don't want her to change. Don't grow up. You're going to be daddy's baby forever. Blah, 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 all this stuff. And then this week we get to the point where I lay her down to go to bed. And I said, Abigail, you know what daddy's going to do in the morning? Yeah. She had no idea, but she says yes to everything. And I said, do you know what daddy's going to do in the morning? Yeah. What's he going to do? I don't know. Daddy's going to go deer hunting. And she says, well, I want to go deer hunting. Well, that was the moment that I've been waiting for. (laughs) I said, well, daddy's going to take mama in the morning and you're going to stay here with Nana and I'll take you tomorrow evening. She said, okay, I'm going to dream about deer hunting then. And the first thing she did when she woke up and looked and saw her Nana beside her, she said, I want to go deer hunting. She had not forgotten. I've also learned that children don't forget anything. And so when I got home, she wanted to go deer hunting. So we put her little jacket on and put a little orange hat on her head and her little pink flower jacket and blue jeans got on the four-wheeler and we puttered out there to that, to that old box blind that's sitting on the ground in the back and, and, I, and we got out there and we, I picked her up off of the four-wheeler and I set her beside me and she said, I don't see any deer. 
And I said, well, no, baby, we just got here. We got to walk a ways. We ain't even to the stand yet. Okay, okay. I said, but you got to be quiet, baby, because we're going to scare the deer off. Okay, all right, all right. And she proceeded to talk the whole way to the deer stand. And she talked and just whispered and, and jabbered and this and that and falls down on the ground and gets back up because, you know, kids fall all the time. And, and, and we uh, get her into the deer stand and she's wearing these cowboy boots that she got for Christmas. And she's just, I mean, just trying to get around into the deer stand and, and whatnot. And I sit her down beside in my lap and I, we're behind our house. It's a bow only lease. And so I set my crossbow down. I didn't even put an arrow in it because I knew we wasn't going to be here long enough for any of that. And uh, I sat her down, about two cardinals landed out underneath the deer feeder, and she just loved that. And then about six minutes later, it really was only six minutes, she looked at me and she said, Daddy, I want to go back to Nana's house. It took us 30 minutes to get out there. And we stayed, I said, can you stay four more minutes so we can say we stayed 10 minutes? And she just looked at me and she said, I want to go back to Nana's house. I said, right now? Yeah. And so we got out there at five o'clock and we didn't make it till dark. And so we got back to the, we got back to the house and I love this little stage, but I know there's going to be one day when she looks at me and says, daddy, I'm going deer hunting and she's going to go sit in the deer stand by herself behind Nana and Papa's house. And she'll call daddy when it's time to come find the deer. And uh, cause she ain't going to want to do that. Cause it's a briar thicket back there. And uh, I just know that that day, is going to be that much better than this one. Because good things happen, but seasons still change. I loved it when we laid her under the Christmas tree like a little present and took pictures of her, and the passy was as big as her face. But I also love it when she woke up and said, Daddy, I want to go deer hunting. Or she wanted to touch the geese that we had shot, or this or that. And she and her mama didn't want to have any part of any of that. Uh, but... Seasons are hard sometimes because we either want them to slow down or we want them to speed up. And typically the issues that we have with seasonal change is that we don't like the timing of it. I don't have time for it to happen right now. I don't have, I, I wasn't ready for it to happen right now. I, I'm, I'm not ready for it. I, I want it. Can we wait two weeks? Or I, I need it to happen right now. I, everything that we struggle with in the changing of our seasons is all related to the timing of them. I, I, it's too late. I missed it. You don't realize it, Pastor. I'm beyond the time. I, my season changed three years ago, and I stayed there. You don't, you don't realize that the Lord has created time for every part of your life. Every part that you have ever experienced, every season, every moment of hardship, every victorious triumph, the Lord created time for it. How do you know? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse number 1 says, there is an appointed time for everything. And there's a time for every event under heaven. What do you mean, pastor? I mean, the Lord gave you time to grieve. Lord, I wasn't ready for that to happen. That's okay. He was, and he made time for it. It caught you by surprise, but it didn't catch him by surprise. He made time for it. Lord, I don't have time for this in my life right now. 
but he does. Lord, I can't stop. If I stop right now, this is all going to happen. How many of you have ever said that? If I, if I don't, if I don't get it done right now, the next 10 years, I'm going to suffer for it. If it doesn't happen right now, if I don't get it together right now, I'm never going to make it. I can't stop work for two weeks. I worked for a place one time. This, the, 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 the owner said, if you can miss two weeks of work and we can go on without you, you can stay gone. What does that tell you? The day you are gone, your job is going to get posted on Indeed and in two weeks will be filled again. And life will go on. Pastor, do you think that I'm that invaluable? No, I just think that that's how little stress you should put on yourself about the things that you think must be accomplished right now or everything's going to fall apart. I realize that the Lord puts urgency on certain things, but let it be known to you that God is never rushed. He is never in a hurry. He is never late. He does everything exactly when he wants to. Why? Because God is not bound by time the way that we are. We have a finite amount of time that we get to spend on this earth. If you are healthy and good, the Bible says that you are given 70 years, but 80 by strength. If you are good, you make it to 80 years old. My grandpa turned 91 years old this month. What an incredible testimony of the faithfulness of God that you could live beyond what was expected of you, significantly beyond what was expected of you. Guys, my peepaw is one of the slowest people I know. He was the milkman. He never really did anything fast. He just got things done. And I think there's something to be said about that. Peepaw was always piddling. He was never in a hurry, never in a rush. He was always working, tinkering, Brother Ed, tinkering on something, fixing his lawnmower, fixing his, his four-wheeler was broken this week. And he's just, we're just, just tinkering away and doing this and mowing the grass and raking the leaves and this and that and this. And, and, and I love this about some seniors. I'm not going to call them old people, but that's what they do. They'll go to Walmart and they'll do this. And they just walk. My grandparents used to go to the mall in Pine Bluff. You can't go there now. It's too dangerous and it's closed. Um, so what does that tell you? It's just it's a bunch of homeless people that live in there. And they, you can't go there. But they would go there and they'd walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. And, they, and then when the mall closed, they would go to Walmart. And they'd walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. Then they'd sit on the bench a while and just watch people. And then they'd go walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. Because if you stayed doing something, it kept you alive. It kept you going. It kept things moving inside of you. And there was time for that. What a waste of time just to walk around Walmart. We don't ever go inside Walmart anymore. We Walmart pick up everything. Why? Because we don't ever have time to go to Walmart. I think you need to make time to go to Walmart. I'm not saying don't use the pickup. I'm going to use the pickup. We used it yesterday. But I think you need to make time. Because the Lord has. The Lord has made time for you. He's made time for you to transition. He's made time for you to change. He's made time for you to grow. How many of you know that when your baby grows, it slows you down? Because she or he wakes up more in the middle of the night. Because they're going through what they call it now. Was it a leap or something? A, 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 um, 
Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about. It's like a, it's a, it's a, 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 a rotational growth. Like every three months, they, they, their, their little minds expand and, and it keeps them up later at night or this or that. And, and every, we, we knew that. And it slowed us down. It would slow us down. But time had to be made because that baby had to grow. Did we get to work late a few days? Yeah, we did. Did we get to church late a few days? Yeah, we did. But guess what? We can't stop her growth for our convenience. The Lord isn't doing that either. The Lord is not stopping you from growing because he just doesn't want to make time for you. He has made time for your growth. He has made time because everything under the sun, there is an appointed time for it. The question remains, no. How do we handle changing seasons and the anticipation or the anxiety associated with new? For several years, and really since the beginning of our church, we have held to a certain passage of Scripture that continues to make its way into conversations, messages, and major moments of our church all the time. In moments of transition, I find myself running to this passage and find so many good things that I hold dear to my heart. And today, I want to finish our time quickly together by talking about how to handle something that is now new. Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 18, or sorry, verse number 14 says this. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and will bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans, into the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the seas and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. They will lie down together and not rise again. They've been quenched and extinguished like a wick. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the desert and wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will glorify me and the jackals and the ostriches because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I form for myself will declare my praise. Now, let me read it to you in the NLT version, just the last couple of verses here. Isaiah forty-three eighteen. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and will create rivers in the dry wasteland. If we're going to transition healthily into the thing that we have so felt that was going to happen and so saw in our spirit that was going to happen, we first have to learn that yes, God is good and he has done great things, but I've got to forget the past. I got to let it go. You may have had a colorful past. You may have done things that you don't want to remember. You may have things that no one knows about, skeletons in your closet. You may have things that still try to haunt you to this day. Um, and other than that, you, you do need to break off the spirit of condemnation. But these things may get brought up in your mind from time to time. 
and you have a hard time shaking them. Isaiah 43, 18 says, but forget all that. Forget all that because he's doing something new. Are you thankful that the Lord can look at the things that we have gone through and say, forget it. Let it go. Let it be. If anyone had the right to hold it against you, that is the one who told you to forget it. It's kind of like when you get to, um, if you got arrested or you got a ticket for something and you went to the, to the, to the courtroom and the judge says, I'm not going to hear this case, forget it. And he throws it out. The only one who could really hold you accountable is the one who told you, let it go. So if the Lord can look at us and see all of the things that we have gone through and say, hey, we're going to let this go, then don't be the one that holds on to it. You don't be the one that holds on to it. You don't be the, if he healed you, let the sickness stay in the past. If he brought you out of it, then let it stay in the past. Don't keep carrying that thing with you as a souvenir. Stop wearing your scars like a trophy. Stop wearing it like it is something to be proud of. Let it go. Forget about it. You see, I grew up in a military family. And what I always learned was the real ones didn't have to talk about it. The real ones didn't have to talk about it. The bad ones, the ones that you needed to watch out for, was the one that was quiet in the corner. The one that didn't have to, when he, when he showed up, he didn't have to have all of his stars to show you who he was. You knew by the way you talked to him. You didn't have to, in fact, you really didn't know because you would find that one to be unassuming. I've known a lot of very significant people in the United States military, and I can tell you this much. The real ones don't have to tell you that they are. They don't have to tell you that they're who they say they are. You know it. I don't have to walk into a room and tell you that I'm a boy. Why? Because you can look at me and tell. The real ones recognize it when you see them. And so... If they can forget all of it, not just the bad, but all the good, if you can let go of the things that you have had to come through, even if it wasn't a hard thing, if you can let go of those things, you can healthily transition into the next. I also played golf for a a long time, a lot of years. And the one thing that they instructed us to do was forget every shot. Forget every shot. Forget every hole. Play it one shot, one hole at a time. Because I have made more double bogeys after a birdie than I have made birdies after a birdie. Why? Because I was thinking about that putt I made on the last hole. I will never forget Miss Lori. I was playing golf. I, was, I must have been 17 years old. And I was four, five. I was four under after the front nine. And I've chipped in for birdie on the 10th hole, and it put me at five under. And I looked at my scorecard, looking at that, sitting here thinking, I might break the course record today. Like, I'm, I am really feeling it. And I'm going to play some, some holes that I know I'm going to make birdie on coming in. I went double bogey, double bogey, par, par, and ended up closing the, that next eight holes out at four over. I played the first 10 at five under, the last eight at four over. 
Why? Because I got it in my mind as to what the first ten holes were. If you can forget and let it go. Not not even just uh, forget it. Just let it go. He said, stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about it. We think too much sometimes. Don't dwell on the things that you can't change. It is what it is. Hakuna Matata. The second thing is, and I'm closing with this. Boys, you can kind of play some things behind me. Don't compare your past to God's future. We often, times, make assumptions on what will happen next based on what we've seen in the past. Don't compare your past or anyone else's past to God's future. God isn't bound by social norms or cultural traditions. If we'll let him, he'll do what he wants to do. He will move, he will heal, he will deliver, he will set free, and his plans are bigger than ours. And that's why I say, don't let somebody else's past be compared to yours, or at all compare either one to what God has in the future. I'm saying that for this. you got to be prepared for what you saw in people to not be what they're going to do. Because they're going to have an encounter right here that's going to change everything about what happened and make it different going forward. Either we believe in the redemption of Jesus Christ or we do not. Either he can turn a sinner around or he can't. Either he can turn all of the mess that I have been through into something that he can use or he can't. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. If he can do it for you, he can do it for anybody. If he can take the dope out of your hands, he can take it out of somebody else's. If he can take, if he can take that magazine out of your hands, he can take it out of anybody's. If he can take the addiction out of your hand, and he can take it out of anybody's. He didn't stop doing it just because he finished with you. You weren't the last one. And if he tarries, The ones that come in here won't be the last ones either. Long after we're all gone, should the Lord tarry, this place is still going to be filled with people that are needing lasting change that come here as one thing and leave another. They come in bound and broken and and, and, and struggling in life, in their families, in their relationships, in their finances, and they leave here changed in every way. How do you know, Pastor? Because I've seen it happen. It's happened this year, and it's going to keep happening again and again and again. It happened on that parking lot out there the Wednesday before I left, and it's going to keep happening and keep happening, and keep happening. And it's not going to be one. I'm coming for them all. I'm coming for every one of them. I'm coming for the ones that nobody else wants. I'm coming for the ones that are wanted. I'm not talking about they want you to be in church with them either. I'm coming for the ones that are wanted, and I want the ones that are not wanted. I'm coming for all of them. Pastor, that sounds kind of crazy. He said... He said go into all the world, (laughs) not just into Dallas, not just into Atlanta, not just into New York. He said all the world and compel them to come. And see, and there was even a parable about how he invited them all to a party. 
And the ones that were invited didn't show up. So he said, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. So I'm thinking about when he said highways and hedges, he must have meant the ones that he knew needed it. He found himself in the projects, found himself in, the, in, in, in that neighborhood. And then the house was full. So we can expect to see things happen in people that is lasting change, that they don't have it all together. Because I didn't have it all together when he changed me either. And I still haven't got it all together. I said it the other day, some people worry about getting their ducks in a row. I'm just trying to find all of my ducks. The last thing is, I'm going to leave you this. The water brings life. When he makes a stream in the desert, what he's doing is bringing life to something that was already dead. When God does something new, it may not always look like a new creation. It may come in the form of new life. It may come in the form of him bringing to life things that had died in the past. It may look like him bringing back dreams that you used to have that were gone. It may look like him bringing back to life something that you thought never would exist again. He doesn't always have to do something creative for it to be new. Resurrection of old dreams can bring new life to your walk with him. Resurrection of old desires may bring new life to your prayer time with him. New life to your relationships. New life to your business. New life to your callings. And in order for us to step into something new, we have to let go of past hurts. Quit comparing God's future to our past. Let his word illuminate the path set before us and flow with the stream of life in dead dreams. May 2024 be the year that God resurrects dead dreams and brings new life and healing to our churches and cities. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, for the opportunity to be here in your house and with your people. Lord, we just submit ourselves wholly and totally to you. And God, I pray right now that you would prick our hearts today about new things and let us be changed and challenged by what you're calling us into in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm new is exactly what I need. I'm ready to let go of everything that was because I need to, I need to grab a hold of Jesus today. Maybe you have in the past or maybe it's your first time. But you realize that sin has separated you from God and now it's time to make things right. I want to encourage you today that you're not going to do anything that many people in this room haven't already done. This is a moment of celebration for new life. And if that's you here today, you're here today and you need change in your life. You're ready to make him the Lord of your life and not just somebody you know. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up, put it right back down real quick. I'm not going to make you come down here to the front or do anything weird. I just, I just want to know. Because today would be a good day to make that happen. Father, I'm praying right now for people that are, are watching online and people that are here in this room today that are under the sound of my voice. Lord, would you let your spirit rest on us 
as we transition into a new year with new things, would you let your spirit rest on us and give us grace and wisdom as we move forward? Give us wisdom, Lord, to see the direction. Give us grace for the moments that we make mistakes. And Lord, just let us have your peace so that we know the places that we are to be and the times we're to be there. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity for a whole year, 365 days. We've made it this far. And Lord, I'm believing you're not going to leave us now. And we're going to see the best things come ahead in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.